I'm going to talk to you tonight about the uh, connection between supernatural increase and the law of the harvest. Everybody say the law. That tells you that something in God's economy, something in God's kingdom and his system is, is fixed, it's established. You can also add to that the law of faith. That's not going to change. Aren't you glad for that? Once you figure it out and you walk in, it's not going to change for all eternity. I mean, you know, the law of love is never going to change. These three abide, faith, hope, and love, but what? The grace of these is love. That's not going to change. And the law of the harvest doesn't change either. We know from Genesis chapter 8, uh, verse 22, as long as the earth endures, what? Seed time and harvest. Summer and what? Cold and heat. Do you believe that today? Do you believe it's okay to have some changes going on? Well, when you see this scripture and you, you, you appreciate its context, you know where, uh, where Noah comes out victorious because you obey God, you understand that this is a, a dynamic principle for all of our lives, and it is the law of the harvest, that if someone does in fact sow, what's going to happen? They're going to reap. Now, that works on both ends. Now, I don't know about you, but the way I grew up, it had nothing to do with, with my family or even so much the church. It's just, when you're not in the Word, you get more of your theology from the world than you do from the Word of God. And my theology was, God's going to get you for that. I mean, I had no revelation on the positive aspects of the seed time and harvest scriptures. It was all what? Bad. It never even crossed my mind this would work for me. It was all against me. Amen? And if seed time and harvest is against you, who can be for you? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was bad. It was just negative. But I thank God that, you know, early in my ministry, God began to show me that we're missing the vital point here, that we've been redeemed from the bad harvest. We deserve terrible harvests. We sowed to the flesh. We should have all the corruption for all eternity. But he took care of that for us because he redeemed us from the curse. Hallelujah. By becoming a curse for us. And the scripture tells us that he gave us his blessing. So now we're looking not so much on the negative side of this, but on the positive side of this. I don't believe that the average Christian who wants to walk with God gets every day, every day and says, I wonder how I can get some more of that negative harvest going in my life. I mean, nobody's interested in doing that. But it starts with concepts like in Luke 6.38, just to help you understand this. So this is not something that we made up. This is not something that, you know, the modern church came up with. It's, it's almost blasphemous to say that this is a Western doctrine when everything came to us from the Middle East for starters. When America wasn't even a thought in terms of the planet here, uh, this is where God sowed these principles and, and laid them before us as our ancestors applied them, and they did so faithfully, God worked in their lives. And I'm so thankful tonight God's no respecter of persons. If you do what they did, you're going to get what they got. Right? Now, if you still have that bad filter on, if I do what they did, I'm going to get what they got. <laughs> Take that filter off, amen, and think if I do the right things like they did, then I'm going to get good and, and positive harvest from that. Luke 6.38, Scripture says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Who said that? Jesus. So should you, should you let somebody talk you out of that harvest Scripture? Absolutely, positively, dot. Give, and it shall be given. That's an emphatic word in Scripture. Good measure, pressed down, 
shaken together and what? Running over will be poured into your lap. Does that sound like that you get hurt by sowing or does that sound like you gain by sowing? Lose the negative mentality, the lost mentality associated with sowing. That's not going to help you. You're not losing anything serving God. You're not giving up anything. You're gaining everything. But there are some principles we have to make sure that we follow. Go to Philippians chapter 4, an oft-quoted uh, scripture. Let's just kind of put it back in its context for a second here and discern the, the voice of the Spirit of God behind this scripture. When you're in Philippians 4, say, I'm there. Hallelujah. What's the scripture that we always pull out of that? And what does it say? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But here's the million dollar question. Who's he talking to? He's talking to people who are sowing into his ministry. This is not just a generic scripture for somebody who doesn't meet the condition to apply it to their life. This is somebody who understands the connection in terms of a partnership. My God will what? Now, if you look at the context here, you see that it was, it was good of you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving what? Except you. So you could say that uh, when you give to missions, you are fulfilling this particular scripture. But it's not limited just to the concept of Paul's mission and those that go on the missionary journey. It's the spirit. It's, it's the heart of the matter behind that. What I'm saying is this great scripture, and it is a great scripture, especially if you're in trouble. Can I have an amen? When, you're, when your face is against the wall, you don't know what to do. You better be quoting some good scripture. But keep this in mind. If you haven't been a sower, then you're not really on a solid foundation to use that scripture. Now, is God merciful? Yes. Is he good? Yes. Raise your hand if God ever came through and you didn't do everything right. <laughs> Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hands, fingers, amen. Toes, feet, everything raised in the air. Let me see it again. If you didn't do everything right and he still came through because he's loving and he's kind. But we are talking here about principles that take you to the next level. We're not looking to go back in 2021. We're looking to go to new levels and new heights in these things. And so you have to keep in mind that this promise is given to a bunch of people out of everybody that he was you know, ministering to. All the churches that he planted. Here's this one church that got it. They had a revelation of giving and receiving, and they supported his ministry, and he gave them a direct promise from God. Now, how does it apply to us all these years later? It will do what the Philippians did. We will get what the Philippians got. Amen. Amen. And you can say boldly when you're facing something that's extraordinarily difficult in any realm of life where you're needing any kind of harvest, but particularly in a financial harvest kind of a context, because that's immediately where many of the Western minds will go first. If you're in a situation where you need that God to come through, guess what? 
you know, it's just like, it's just like when I, I tithe, I have this confidence that it doesn't make any difference what the devil throws at me. I've got my foundation. I've got my tithers' rights. Now, when we talk about the rights and promises to a sower, we're talking about beyond the tithers' rights. We're talking about another level of living and walking with God, and it's required that you have the foundation of the tithe. But when you are a giver, a sower like this, you have this great confidence that guess what? My God. Now, Paul's either arrogant or he's just confident. Whenever I, I hear that phrase, my God, I can't help but think about Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, Lord, sanitize my brain. Sanitize my brain. <laughs> Leading the choir, singing what? My God instead of my girl. Kind of funny. I just wish these actresses and actresses would just stick to what they do. See how telling the rest of us how to live. Just go back to your makeup and your set and leave the rest of us alone. But the reality is, he's saying, what? My God. Come on, you say that. My God. My How could he be like that? Because he knew what they were doing. Please, God. It was consistent with Scripture. And he could say, the same God who's taking care of me, my God's going to take care of you as well. Come on, shout it out. My God, my God. is going to come through in every area of my life. He is my God. So when I'm a tither, and on that foundation of tithing now, I sow. And if you still don't have it, go back and listen to the four messages on the principle of the tithe that is key to your supernatural increase. Now we build our house on the foundation of that tithe. That's why it's so critical. If the foundation is not there, you're not really sowing. If you're not tithing, you're not tapping into this because a missionary pulled on your heartstrings or you felt guilty or you felt under compulsion because somebody preached a sermon all of a sudden you threw something in the bucket as a token. You're not even at that level yet of tithing, let alone sowing. So say it with me, tithing is the foundation. Sowing is the building. And an awful lot of people in this ministry, as they demonstrated all through the COVID season, have put themselves in a position now to build on that foundation and actually see some great things built. Lester Summerall said it like this, God blesses those who serve him, nations or individual followers of Christ. You know, he's absolutely right. I mentioned this before, every nation that we have gone as the assemblies to evangelize, we've gone back 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, and now we've got many decades under the belt. We go back in and God has prospered those nations. Does anybody remember what Nigeria was like five, six decades ago? You go over there now, it's outstanding. You know the largest church in the world structure is in Nigeria. That pastor, Bishop Adepo, will tell you that it was a little bitty book that Gloria Copeland, and the original volume of that book is only that thick. I've got a copy of it. It's marked up like crazy. It's about that tall, about that wide, about that skinny. He took that book up to a rock where he used to pray and see God, and God showed him how, how to manifest the promises of God in his life. Don't ever take for granted the power of some teaching or some tape or some CD or some MP3 or somebody's book. Like Jackie's book, for example. You might want to check that out. That devotional is pretty good. Hallelujah. There it is right there. <laughs> Just happened to have one there. I actually wrote a foreword for it because I believe it's good stuff there. A lot of, a lot of enriching and I mean, non-compromising things in that book, and that's what you want to feast on. But he, he took that book and he just devoured it. And I understand why, because there's, there's no fat, there's no fluff. It's just, I mean, one word after the next, one principle after the other. And if you can get that, I think it's still for sale. It's a little, little bigger now. <laughs> 
But it's, it's amazing that he took that and then began to apply it. And uh, I mean, I think it's something like you know, 50,000 people in that, room, in that particular uh, you know, arena where they, they have the services. And they built a school and a university, an entire town, entire city around this structure. And if you would have gone there, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, you know what it found? Nothing but forestation. Nothing but jungle. Right in the middle of that area, he put his foot down and said, we're going to do something great for God. So when people say that God's a respecter of persons, no, he's not. He's a respecter of people that will believe him and do what he said to do. I don't know what he sowed. I don't know how he gave. I don't know anything. All I can tell you is he followed the principles of God, and God has blessed him greatly. Now we have heads of nations all over the world that are declaring their nation is a Christian nation, all except for the United States. That's going to change, too. I said, that's going to change, too. I said, that's going to change, too. Just because things don't always go the way you think they should go doesn't mean God's not working, God's not doing something. Hallelujah. He was spot on with that statement. Nations or individuals that will declare God is Lord and, and follow His ways, God will bless them and prosper them. I think unlike um, you know, Reinhard Bonnke most recently, Owen Roberts before that in terms of the healing miracle crusades around the world, uh, Lester Sumrall and uh, a man named T.L. Osborne, who's with Jesus as well, greatest missionary evangelist, you know, they ever walked this planet. Millions and millions came to Christ. Millions and millions were healed. He documented that. Wherever he went, he went back and he documented what God did, not just to save them, but to redeem them and actually lift them out of poverty and lack and all kinds of things. And, you know, and it didn't preach Western culture to them. They just preached the word of God. And I tell you, anybody that will take the Word of God and the principles and the standards, what it teaches, for example, things like on sowing, God will bless them. Amen. You don't have to be 50 years old in the Lord to do this. That's right. Amen. Amen. You just have to take it and run with it. He goes on to say this. He said, God prospers those who recognize His power to supply all their needs. Do you know He has power? specifically to meet your needs and to take care of you. No believer that understands God as a Heavenly Father should be worried about their situation. You don't have to figure it out. All you have to do is just trust Him. And you know that tithing is a demonstration of your trust. And sowing is an even greater demonstration of your trust. Because it goes beyond the, the dictates and specifics of the scripture to give you a person who is giving by being directed by the Holy Ghost in every given situation. And they're sowing on his command. And when you do that, it shows great confidence and trust in him. Amen. Can I have a better amen tonight? Amen. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and let's just look at this. Write this down. The law of the harvest is simply this. There's a time to plant and there's a time to what? Harvest or reap. See, there's a time to plant or sow. And there's a time to what? There's a time to reap or harvest. Some of y'all have been doing a lot of sowing. Guess what? It's time for you to do reaping. It's not one or the other. Verse 1, are you there? 
Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. This is a direct revelation regarding the value and the importance and the principle of sowing. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know which disaster may come upon the land. Now you're seeing the power of the seed to prevent you from being affected by disaster. You know, when somebody screams recession, recession, and you start to see it manifest, you should scream blessing, blessing, blessing. And you should sow in the face of that so-called recession. That's what this teaches. You are not just sitting back, you know, without some kind of a remedy when something bad happens. If the clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there will it lie. Now that's deep. <laughs> Watch this. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. What is this saying? This is what we would call a fair weather sower. A fair weather planter. When everything's great and everything's perfect and everything's paid and there's no scarcity, and they got it all figured out, and there's abundance when the, you know, the clouds are, are nice and puffy and there's sunshine, then I'm going to go ahead and engage this practice of sowing or planting. But watch what it says. That person that does that, not only do they not plant, they look at the clouds, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to reap. There are a lot of people that look for everything to be perfect before they cross that line, to becoming a sower for God's purposes. Turn to somebody and say, just cross the line. You, you need to be a sower regardless of the condition. Regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of the news. Regardless of the reports. Regardless of what everybody else is doing. Because this is the key to supernatural increase. Read on with me. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. He, what's he talking about here? He's not just talking about the mystery of the human body. He's not just talking about the, the wonderful things that he has created and the invisibility of some of these forces. What he's saying here is he's equating the concept of seed time and harvest with things that we can't understand just because, you know, they exist doesn't mean we have necessarily understand. There are a lot of things that happen I don't understand. Electricity and, and, and you know, nuclear science and how things work, many things in the body. But guess what they do? I'm, I'm like you. All I wanted is make sure somebody turned the switch on tonight. And it worked. I don't have to understand how heat and cooling system works. I got a split unit that makes it real cold. The gas kicks in. And when it's not real, real cold, then, then the heat pump works. I can't show you the mechanical drawings. I don't understand all that stuff, but I can tell you this. When it hit on, <laughs> I want it to work. I'm very, very pragmatic. And it's the same thing here, just like this. You know, there are many in this room that understand the, the human body, uh, you know, a whole lot more than most of us do. At the same time, we really can't comprehend the supernatural dimension of what God has done. How he takes an egg, how he takes a sperm, and he takes the complete makeup of that seed and creates something that's in his image and then grows nine months or so. Amen? 
and comes out being the greatest granddaughter ever, Juliana. I am, I am her favorite. Amen. <laughs> it's really marvelous. And just as you really don't understand uh, creative agency, you can understand how man is made in God's image and we can create things, but we can't create anything like that. Artificial intelligence is nowhere near the capacity of what God has done. And these little minds soaking up everything and doing everything that possibly can be done. I mean, she's into every kind of remote. She figured out you can turn the fireplace on and off with a little button. She's grabbing this remote, and then half the time she's hiding them so we can't find them. And then I think one time she threw it in the, in the trash can, didn't she? <laughs> you had to find it. And the growing and developing and the astounding things that uh, they do. You can't. Well, you can't understand that. You really can't understand the nature of the invisible forces, you know, like, you know, magnetic fields and, and gravity. All I know is, is that I don't want to test the theory. If you jump off a building, what's going to happen? You're going to meet gravity. It's not personal. It's just business. You're going to fall, and you're going to be injured, right? That's, that's, you know it's there enough to respect it. Well, these forces, these laws, like the law of gravity, for example, thermodynamics, you know, entropy, um, you know, a body at rest with connects, uh, uh, tends to stay what? At rest, a body in motion tends to do what? Stay in motion. Amen. Scientific entry. Uh, you know, systems do not stay in order. They go from a, a degree of order to what? Disorder. That's how you explain every teenager's room that ever lived in the history of mankind. It goes from order to disorder. Then mom comes in and it goes back to order and disorder. Some of you men still live that way. Now, moving right along now. We know they exist. We have a, some understanding, but we also have to realize that we may not understand how all of this works. The pragmatic Christian says, you know what? God says it works. God says to do it, so I'm just going to do what God wants me to do. It's like I'm going to push that on button. I'm going to push the on button on my seed time and my harvest. And I like I'm going to get heat from that system, amen, or light from that light switch or power in the wall socket. I'm going to get what? I'm going to get a harvest off of the seeds that I have sown. Amen. Say it with me. I believe. I'm pragmatic. It'll work for me. So what? Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. The law of the harvest is simple. There's a time to what? Plant or sow and a time to harvest. And if you do sow, you're going to what? Reap. And how many like it when it comes back on every wave? Well, surely you have figured out that this ship that has not gone out is not coming back in. One day my ship is going to come in. One day I'm going to win the lotto. One day everything's going to be all right. My ship is coming in. Did you ever send one out? No, but my ship is coming in. That's because you sail on a USS Stupid. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get anything coming back if you don't put it out there. Are you here tonight, church? 
These things aren't designed to hurt people or hurt the body of Christ. These things are designed to help us, to take us to a level. But if we resist the plain teachings of Scripture, that's like the Christians. I don't know about that sowing stuff. You know, I just can't get into that. And because it's about fear, because it's about, in some cases, you know, about greed, or it's about preserving what you have, and you're missing the whole point. The smart person invests in a kingdom that has the greatest return in the history of mankind. There is no investment on Wall Street that has a hundredfold. And not just once, repetitive. That's why it's worth taking some time to do this. So how many will pray for those Sunday morning minds? Let me ask again, how many will pray for the Sunday morning minds? Then when they go through Mark 4, Revelation will hit them. I, I see, I get how this works. We ought to have just as much confidence in our reaping from our sowing as we do when we turn on a light switch. Surely you have more faith in God than West Kentucky Rural Electric. Surely. Surely he's more faithful than them. And they work hard when things go down. But how many understand God's systems are far more reliable? His systems never go down. And he's never away from the throne. Could you imagine praying and hearing God's answer machine? Hello, this is God. I'm away from the throne right now, but if you'll leave your name, number, and message, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. He doesn't do that. If you flip the switch, you're going to get light. If you turn on the thermostat, you know, you'll get your heat system's going to work. And if you do what he tells you to do, if you do plant, if you do sow, then you're going to reap. Amen. Don't ever let the devil, you know, make you feel bad about your, your joy and your thrill to be a sower and try to talk you out of it. He's trying to talk you out of your future. Amen. Our way is not set by what people say about us or what they do, what they did in the past, how they treated us. Our future is determined by our sowing. Say it, my future, my destiny is tied to my sowing. One of the Genesis gifts that man received from God was the gift of seed. And once you have seed, you could grow anything you need in this life. Because that's how this earth was set up. That's how this world system was set up. And it's a reflection of the spirit realm. Because you can't go around blaming everybody because of what they did to you. And have more faith in their power to hold you back than the power of God and his seed principle to lift you out of that thing. Turn to somebody and tell them, nobody can hold you back. I'm not talking about, well, when I get a million dollars, I'll sow. No, you need to sow right where you are. You'd be amazed how you're thinking your little insignificant seed can not only meet and address a need of somebody in the church or in the community. And again, we're talking about on top of tithe, beyond the tithe. Tithe is a foundation. And you're going through your day, you think, I, that doesn't make a, a bit of difference for them. You're missing the point. One, it could actually meet the need completely. But there's nothing more powerful for somebody out there to be crying out to God saying, I need help. I'm crying out to you, God. Those preachers say, pray and ask God, he'll come through for you. And all of a sudden, God speaks to you, and you walk by them at a gas station, and walk by them, you know, at a, at a you know, restaurant, and they're serving you or something like that. And then you do something extraordinary. You listen to the Holy Ghost, download his instructions, obey what he says. You just became proof to that person that God is real. And that's one of the reasons that Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 talks about thanksgiving going up to God because of your generosity. 
You'd be amazed how many people in this church are living this way and the impact you're having and the thanksgiving that's going to God because you're listening to him. Well, pastor, all it was was a gift card or all it was was a tank of gas. You don't understand. It's not the monetary value of that gas, which has gone up a lot more since Biden took over, moving right along. That's what happens when you stop drilling. That's what happens when you stop leasing. There's consequences. Moving right along, pastor. You have no idea. It's not the value of the gas in the tank. Somebody was believing God. God would not be talking to you if he did not have a request on the books. And you go and do that. That person goes home that day saying, everything I've been saying about God, talking about God, thinking about God is wrong. He hadn't abandoned me. That little grandma, grandpa, you know, that young man, that older man, whatever it is, middle-aged man, that, that teenager, that college student that goes to Hope Harbor that went and did that, you just became a bridge of faith for that person with your sowing. Amen. You'd be amazed at the stories we get from our missionaries because churches like this want to invest in far, far away places. But you should be just as missionary minded about your money here in this town. It's not quite as, you know, elegant or maybe mysterious as what's going on around the world. But, you know, basically people around the world are all the same. <laughs> same needs, same situation, same need to forget us, same need of a savior. Same natural needs as everybody else. Their mamas love their kids. Amen. And their grandpas want to impart wisdom and things they learn to the ones that are coming up. And they don't want war and destruction. They want their homes destroyed and their young people dead. They want the same things everybody else wants. So while we're glamorizing that, I'm not telling you not to give. You should be supporting foreign missions. Again, my God. It's a foreign mission scripture. But think about this in terms of just the habit of life, the ebb and flow of life on every way. I'm going to toss things out there just like Ecclesiastes says. I'm going to make this a lifestyle. Come on, say it. The lifestyle of a sower. Jerry Seville said it best when he said this, you know, we're supposed to be what? Sowers, not part-time planters. We have some, uh, you know, farmers in this town and that are friends of mine, and we have farmers in this church, and thousands of acres, that's not what you would call a guy with a plot in the backyard. That's not a part-time planter. That's a sower. In this case, a professional sower in the natural. That's the way we need to be about our lives and our mentality. Amen. Amen. I'm already on the foundation of the tithe, and so now you live your life as a lifestyle of the sower. You know, there's no stopping a person like that. You've heard the stories of great men and women of God and what's happened. Uh, and it's not just people that you've heard us bring into this church, but people like, you know, Marilyn Hickey, who trusts God totally for everything that they do. And the outstanding things that God does where it comes from absolutely out of nowhere. Let me tell you the rest of that story. These ministries are giving, giving, giving all the time. Feeding, 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 clothing, 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 doing great works around the world. They're not just taking this in like the Dead Sea, but they're, they're sowing, sowing, sowing. They're giving it back out. And he is no respecter of persons. Come on, say it. I choose the lifestyle 
of the sower. Come on, say the lifestyle of the sower. The law of the harvest is simply that there is a time to plant and a time to harvest. Some people are fair weather sowers watching the wind and the clouds. We need to be all weather sowers. Remember a phrase came out years ago, all weather tires? <laughs> that will help you no matter what the conditions are. If there's water, it'll still bite, do pretty good in snow, whatever. You need to be all weather sowers. Say it, I'm an all weather sower. It says, sow your seed in the morning. Wow. Well, the first things that should come into your mind when you get up tomorrow morning is how can I sow today? That's the habit. That's the lifestyle. Who can I bless today? Who can I invest in with a thought, with a word, with a deed, with a financial seed? What do you have for me to do? Can you see how that makes a major impact in all of our lives and all the lives around us? Sow your seed when? In the morning. In other words, no afterthought here on purpose. God, what do you want me to do? And you'd be amazed when God has, you know, connected with someone who's made up their mind to be a sower, those orders will come. And that's not when you go, me again? You rejoice that he picked you. You're in service of the Most High God. The King has commissioned you to do something, to become the, the answer to somebody else's prayer. This is not a bad thing. This is a wonderful way to live. And you will have your own testimonies. And you will have, you know, great and amazing things happen through you and also to you. Write this down because God never forgets a seed sown. Never. Some of you have forgotten seed sown, but he never forgets a seed sown. And as we enter into what I think is going to be the greatest season of harvesting the body of Christ has ever known, where even the wealth of the wicked is laid for the just and there is an end time supernatural transfer, God's going to show you that he didn't forgive, forget those seeds that you sowed. You thought they were insignificant, didn't matter, nobody's paying attention. Listen, God's always paying attention. See, when you were raised maybe thinking like I did, that God's going to get you for that, he's always watching. Always watching. Just ready to slap you into the next county. How about God's always watching my sowing? He's directing and watching and honoring and then blessing what is actually sown. Hallelujah. The ground is the Lord's storehouse, first and foremost, the church and his ministry. And his ministry is a spiritual one, but his ministry is also a practical one. Giving a cup of cold water to a prophet, important. Taking care of those that are without, important. Giving to the poor, important. You're not wasting your seed. I've heard some teachings where if you give to the poor, you're wasting your seed. You're not wasting your seed because the Lord will repay. Does that make sense? And if the church doesn't have that mentality, then who's going to? You know, for all the talk of the billionaires about how much they care about the planet and how much they care about, you know, climate change and how much they care about vaccines... Pound for pound, they do very little with their massive wealth to ease human suffering. I just want to say, just knock it off, because if you really cared, then you would do what some men of God have done and go overboard when God has blessed them. Does that make sense? But you sit on tens and even hundreds of millions of, and billions of dollars, and then you want to dictate public policy? 
you know, I'm okay that, that Bill Gates, you know, created Windows and, and that entire company, Microsoft. But last time I checked, he has the same medical degree that I have. None. So he's not an expert on vaccines or anything else medical or global for that matter. He is responsible for something that crashes every time you turn around. I'm not putting that man in charge of world health operations. Does that make sense? Could you imagine you go to get a vaccine and, and the vaccine starts spinning like that little ball? It's not going to come out. It's just ludicrous. Let the people who have the training expertise lead the way. But what has he got? Money. I can tell him right now, a hundred things to do around the world that would alleviate suffering immediately rather than trying to manipulate and coerce and control. Amen? That's why the devil hates a Christian who has got the foundation of tithing and they live as a lifestyle of sowing because God knows they'll do what he tells them to do. But so does the devil. Amen. Glory to God. Raise your hand and say, I'm willing. I'm willing. Hallelujah. The ground is the Lord's storehouse, the church and his ministry. The seed are thoughts, words, and deeds. Every, way, every thought, every word, every deed. Say it. Every thought, every word, every deed is what? Is a seed. So what do we do with the seed? We filter those seeds through the word of God and we plant them. Financial giving is one dimension of that. We focus and purposefully, you know, measure and filter our thoughts and words and actions through the word of God. We don't have time to keep on sowing things that are contrary to the word of God. We don't have time to keep on sowing things that are not consistent in our thoughts and our words and our deeds. We need to be on his page. We need to be on his mission. The harvest is souls, first of all, a harvest of righteousness, according to 2 Corinthians, and financial provision and provision in every other dimension of life. This is how this works. The sower, it's the greatest way to live possible. Because you're going to see that God's going to be honored, souls are going to be saved, you're going to be taken care of and provided for, you're going to have more seed for the sower according to the word of God. You know, you're going to see amazing things happen in and through the church and through your life every day. There's nothing like the lifestyle of the sower. And the unrenewed mind says, yeah, somebody just wants my money. You're missing the point. This goes far beyond just how much clank you have in the bank. That's why Creflo said it like this, there's profit in serving God. He didn't mean that, you know, godliness is a means of game. We're not exactly interpreting scriptures like that correctly. God doesn't have a problem with you having stuff. He has a problem with stuff having you. Idolatry, you know, putting your confidence and trust in stuff. And, you know, you don't have to have a billion dollars to be covetous. You don't have to have a billion dollars to love money. There are a lot of people who have nothing to absolutely love money. And will cheat and steal and finagle, do everything they can get it. Why? Because they don't have a right relationship with money, which is what that scripture means. It's not, you know, money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, which means a wrong relationship with money is. Hallelujah. Say, there is profit in serving God. 
That means I'm walking with God in His Word. I've laid the foundation of the tithe, and now I'm at His command, His disposal to be the sower. I'm not a fair weather kind of sower, planter. I'm an all weather planter. That's what He's looking for. Now go over to Galatians chapter 6 real quickly as we kind of head towards the end of this tonight. Just to remind you, J.B. Phillips says this, don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. What does that mean? Positive and negative. If you sow something, what's going to happen? You're going to reap it. Laugh at him all you want to. Dismiss it all you want to. Ignore it all you want to. It doesn't change the truthfulness of the principle. Here's what J.B. Phillips translates, a powerful translation. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. Say it with me. My life, my harvest in life depends entirely on what I sow. Have people sowed some bad things in you? I've had some people sow some bad things in me, but they don't control my life. You ultimately control by what seeds you sow. At God's command and direction, that's the key here. He goes on to say, if he sows for his own lower nature, his harvest will be the decay and death of his own nature. But if he sows for the Spirit, he will reap the harvest of everlasting life by that Spirit. Let us not grow tired of doing good unless we throw in our hand the ultimate harvest is assured. I like that. Amplified says, for whatever a man sows, that and only that is what he will reap. That and only that is what he will reap. Here's the bottom line. The law of the harvest incentivizes us to stop sowing to destruction. You don't want to be the person sowing sin or strife or sorrow in this world. And I can tell you that people who sow strife in families and sow strife in churches, sow strife in classrooms, sow strife in churches and ministries, you know, sow, sow strife in people's operations, they're going to reap it. And sometimes people do this stuff and then there's this long pause. But I can assure you this, if it's not repented of, there's a harvest to it. And if you undermine somebody who was building something, you thought that was all fine and dandy, and you were coy, and you were sly because you were insecure, and all of a sudden you watched something affected somebody else was trying to do in their life, regardless of what it is, a business or a family, you know, a, a ministry, an education, an opportunity, whatever it is, and you thought that was just perfectly fine, thought God doesn't see this, nothing's going to happen. You know what's going to happen is when you get something built, somebody's going to come and torch it if you don't repent. So it incentivizes us to what? To stop doing that and repent if we have. Say it with me. I repent. I break the power of every ill seed I have ever sown and command it to fall to the ground and die and bear no fruit. I do not want to harvest. I command crop failure. <laughs> It also incentivizes us to be purposeful in a positive way. Start sowing to life. Amen. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Therefore, as you abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence and in your love for us, watch this. He's mentioning faith 
and utterance, or the spoken word of God, knowledge, revelation, all diligence, your perseverance, keep doing what you're doing, and love. What an amazing testimony of spiritual principles he puts this as a context. And in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace of giving also. The average carnal Christian, way down here in importance. You see what Paul just did? You excel in knowledge. You excel in utterance. You excel in faith. You excel in love. But you also need to excel in what? In giving. Excel means to go to the highest place, to the pinnacle. Listen, if we're going to really catch this, we've got to have a mindset not just to be you know, an all-weather sower, amen, but excel. Excel in love, excel in faith, also excel in this grace of giving. Why? Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 25, And everything I did, I showed you, Paul said, by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. While we have this record in Acts, when and how often he said it, we may not know. But we know that somewhere along the line, Paul actually said it, and maybe even it was given directly to him. That's not a stretch to believe that. But here's what he said. It's more blessed to what? To give than to receive. Now tell me, Julie, that your hearts aren't full when you see the eyes of a child sleep in that bed for the first night. Is there anything that can compare to that? Or someone who can't, you know, pay something to, you know, where they can live. Or someone has emergency housing in a hotel or somebody's house is rescued or whatever the case may be. What, what, I mean, how can they possibly, how can anybody give you anything that exceeds that sense of how great and good God is when you can be a part of that? It's a big deal to him. Excel because it's more blessed to give than to receive. What does blessed mean? It means empowered to prosper. It's more empowering to give than what? Than to receive. Wait a minute now. I think it's pretty cool to receive. Yeah. But it's more empowering to what? To give. Can I help you out here? Don't become all hypocritical and false humility when somebody tries to bless you. Just say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for that blessing. And I receive it. And I bless the giver. Maybe you're excelling at giving, but you don't learn how to receive. That's like, you know, a farmer going out and planting thousands of acres and not even bother to go back after the grain when it's ripe. Well, I don't want to be a receiver. I wouldn't want to say that I'm a receiver. When you realize what's tied to that crop, you better believe they're going out to get that crop. Amen. Say I'm a giver and a receiver. It's more blessed to give. Amen. Powerful scripture. Hallelujah. Now, one of the things I want you to, to get a hold of is that the foundation of, of giving your life to Christ is a big deal, isn't it? Yes. And you know that God sowed Jesus into the ground so that you and I could be harvest. Yes. Unless the seed fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it what? If it, dies, it dies. What happens? It produces much fruit. You and I today and all over the world, we are the fruit of that one seed. Never underestimate the power of a godly seed. Amen. Now watch this. He's our example. When you're thinking about being a sower, it's real easy to think about stuff. 
I'm gonna give a washer, a dryer, give a car, I'm gonna give a check, I'm gonna, you know, maybe give a little time and donate a little bit here and there. But the ultimate seed you're gonna sow is you. You sow yourself into the purposes of the kingdom of God wherever He has placed you. Every place matters. Every location matters. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, uh, Jackie, the word of the Lord came to me concerning you while I was worshiping tonight. And the Lord would say to you that there have been three parents or sets of parents that have thanked God because in their minds you saved their child's life with your diagnosis, with your expertise. And the Lord says there are more coming. You may never hear a parent come back, and sometimes you do, but understand this, you've wondered how the Lord took you the way he took you, and the experiences, and the locations, and the geography, but it was for you to have the ability to sow yourself into those situations with the background, and the knowledge, and the expertise to do things at a higher level for the very purpose of saving lives and treating those that are sick. Now watch this. Um, you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. The praise and the thanksgiving of God. Amen. You're not just educated and trained to do this. You're anointed to do this. Now, do you believe that? You need to believe that you are anointed. In your spot. Well, my spot's not a big deal. Liar, liar, pants on fire. That's not true. You'd be amazed how strategic your role actually is if you stop, you know, poor mouthing it and dumbing it down. I don't have a medical degree, you know, I don't save lives. What'd you say? You have no idea the people's lives you have saved for all eternity. With a prayer, with an example, with a kind word, with an invitation to church. You know, there are people all over the world not going to hell because somebody just thought it'd be a good idea to invite them to church. And they came. Now you sow yourself as a seed in your context. And you expect, just like how God brought great fruit from his son's death and resurrection, God brings great fruit from you sowing your life. There's no way to give enough money away to somehow make up for a Christian whose life is not so. Amen? Come on, say it. I sow my life in my spot in Jesus' name. And you're connecting with people all the time. Hallelujah. You'd be amazed. Jim LaValle's mom, she'd been here a few times. You should hear the way she talks about you as a church. Like you all walk on water or something like that. The love of God has impacted her life. Amen. Despite the things that he went through and some of the disappointments he had and some of the personal struggles he had, there were substance issues in his life. 
toxicology report came back. There was no alcohol. There was no drugs in his system. He just left this earth. The official coroner report of our brother was natural causes. Now, young, my estimation, especially since I'm right behind him, <laughs> but can you see how you can touch a life and not even realize it? Amen? Not even be here. Now, you'll see more of her because she feels connected. You know? And you'll be a blessing to her. I know that she will when she does come. But I'm just telling you that there, there are people making impacts because they chose to sow their, sow their life, and they don't even realize the impact that they're making. Because 99% of the time, they don't they come back and tell the physician what a blessing, or tell that instructor or that teacher, amen, or that manager what a blessing they've been. I'm telling you that the thanksgiving for the sower primarily goes to him. According to 2 Corinthians 9. And I'm telling you, in your own way, you've been sowing your life, thanksgiving is going up to him. And that's what really matters. Amen? Our reward being used as an instrument. Glory to God. You have no idea. Of a truth, I believe it. So many Christians have been faithful. When they get there, they're going to see a parade of people they have no idea they played a major part in their life. You're thinking, yeah, the Billy Grahams. No, no, it's not the Billy Grahams. It's the everyday faithful Christian who blooms right where they're planted, sows their life, not just their stuff, but sows their life so other people can be touched. Amen? That's why these things are so foundational. Now, you take an all-weather believer who has sown themselves into what they're doing, watch out. Turn to somebody and say, there's no stopping you. Come on, say it again. There is no stopping you. Praise God. Let's remember these principles as we wrap this up tonight. You harvest if you plant. You harvest what you plant. You harvest what? After you plant. And you harvest what? More than you plant. You like that after first, don't you? <laughs> Say it with me. If, after, what, and more. You like that more part? Come on. If, after, what, more. And I want to teach on this one a little bit more in detail, but write this one down too. You reap how you have sown. God loves a cheerful giver. Now there is a place where we sow in tears, the scripture says, because we're going through a time of loss or grief, we still sow. Do you see that? Even in tears we're sowing. Just because we're going through a tough time, we don't stop. That's the dumbest thing you can do is pull back when you're going through a tough time. Just keep on sowing. And you know what? You're reaping joy. But Paul's admonition is to be a cheerful sower as well as a cheerful reaper and a harvester. Because watch this. For, for you and me to get this, um, our, our demeanor of joy 
our demeanor of, of cheerfulness, our attitude when we're sowing is absolute proof that you did your sowing in faith. If there is no joy, you're just a bucket plunker. You just sowed a seed, a thought, a word, a deed, a financial seed, but you, you didn't do it in joy. Going back to your life, do what you do in joy. Amen. Whatever it is you're doing tomorrow, say to yourself, you know what I get to do today? I need to go with this and impact people's lives. Amen. Walk out there. That's exactly right. We get to play baseball. <laughs> yeah. And many people were swallowing their tongues when she said it. It's like, no, Robert's saying something good's going to happen to you today. And they got mad at him. What do you want me to say? God's going to beat you up today? Will that make you feel better? No. You get up and you have that mentality. I am sowing in joy. I don't want to be here. This is the last place I want to be. I can't stand this job. I can't place to stand this town. I can't stand this kind of blah, 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 blah. Does that sound to me like a person who's sowing in faith? Watch, if you are sowing with grumbling, you are not sowing in faith. Hallelujah. I was talking to Jimmy Moon about this, and I, I saw this uh, on the internet. It was a quote by Denzel Washington, and it's, it is so true. And I, it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I'm just meditating on it right now. And you know what it means when I say I'm meditating on something? A 50-part sermon series is right around the corner. That's what it means. So, <laughs> so meditate, meditate on, brother. But he said, he said, some people are always waiting for the next place, you know, to thrive and to be satisfied and to be excited. He said they have what he called uh, destination addiction. When we get to here, then this is going to be great. And when we get to, and it's addiction, it really is. And I have seen people with that addiction walk right out of the plan of God, right out of the path of God, everything God had for them, right off his path because they had an addiction. And because it wasn't heroin or crack or coke or methamphetamine or alcohol or whatever, it was like, well, they really don't have a life-controlling problem. Let me tell you something. You need to learn to sow your life right now. If God needs you in another location, he will pick you up. He will come to you and say, Jonah, The Spirit of God will say, Paul, this is not the right time. When everybody says, no, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. Paul says, none of these things move me. The Spirit of God is telling me I'm going to face some hardships, but that is my destination. I'm going to go sow my life in speaking to those leaders. And you know, we know from history that household members of, of Caesar's household came to Christ because he wouldn't listen to the brethren tell him, don't go to Jerusalem. He's like, well, tell me something I don't know. They're going to throw me a parade? Really? No, of course not. Come on, say it with me. I reject and I denounce destination addiction. I am free in Jesus' name. And I bet you everybody in this room has a story about that very thing. And God just didn't turn you loose. 
When I was growing up, there was a rock band called Loverboy. They sang a song, Turn Me Loose, Turn Me Loose, Turn Me Loose. Some of y'all remember smoking dope to that song yourself. <laughs> that's your history. And that's what some of y'all been, turn me loose, Lord, turn me loose, Lord. And he's saying, sow your life, sow your life, plant your life, do it with joy. Your best days are ahead of you. Instead of focusing on all that stuff, just focus on what he's called you to do. Amen. Say it, I choose to sow my life. I am no fair weather sower. I'm not going to sow my life when everything's perfect. When I get to this destination in life or this point in life, I'm going to sow it when? Right now. You know, God could absolutely take this county with a room full of people with that mentality. That's right, we are. Amen. Sow it. Glory to God. Let's just give him a big hand clap and thank him tonight.